You've seen it before. Those corporate blogs that all use the same stock images and read like they might have been written by an early prototype AI? It's a valiant effort, but also a great example of what not to do. So what about the folks who are doing it right? How do they manage to capture the authentic ideas and expertise of their specialists? How do they manage to attract such a highly engaged following of advocates and supporters? If you've been contemplating how to level up your organization's blog and social media presence, but aren't sure how to start, keep listening. We're going to be taking a deep dive into the inner workings of an agency that has made content creation a mandatory part of everyone's job. In this no-holds-barred conversation, we'll explore the vision, the systems, the struggles, and the results of their mission to empower their teams to create high-impact content. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Galen Lowe with the Digital Project Manager. We are a community of digital professionals on a mission to help each other get skilled, get confident, and get connected so that we can deliver projects better. If you want to hear more about that, head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Hey, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us on the DPM Podcast. My guest today is a digital project manager turned marketer who is deeply passionate about pushing the envelope on the kind of knowledge and impact a small, talented group of people can put out into the world. In her role as the director of growth at Crema, she combined her emotional intelligence and organization skills to quarterback her team's mission to share Crema's expertise and expand its presence. Outside of work, you can find her cooking up a tasty dish, pumping iron at the gym, hiking the hills around Phoenix, or poolside with her husband and her rescue pit bull Spike. Folks, please welcome Alexa Alfonso. Hello, Alexa. Hi, Galen. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Can't complain. Beautiful Tuesday morning here, so and very excited for this conversation. Always very jealous of the weather that you have down there, <laughs> and always, always sunny in Phoenix. I love it, and I'm so jealous. We're starting to get some sun here, so I'm like not that envious right now. But uh, yeah. but generally speaking, during the winters, uh, I am. <laughs> Uh, it's great sure. to have you on the show. I'm super excited to be collaborating with you. You are one of our original DPM experts. And just for our listeners, Alexa has dozens of podcasts and articles with the Digital Project Manager. And she also plays a leading role in our Mastering Digital Project Management course. So if she sounds or looks familiar, That that's probably why. Now, you are in a new location. You recently moved house. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, was it to improve your work-from-home situation, or was it just because you needed a pool? Great question. Probably a little bit of both. Uh, my old office was underneath a staircase, so it had its little quirks about that. Um, but, no, we wanted to plant some roots in Phoenix. We moved down here in 2018. Um, we knew we would like it, but we didn't know if we would love it. And so we rented for the first year and a half, two years, and we decided to go house hunting around March of 2020, which was an interesting time to start that <laughs> process. Uh, and it took us a full-blown year to find this house um, and not get outbid by California cash buyers. If you're out there, I, I know who you are. Um, no, it's just a really competitive market. And so it we toured a lot of homes, put in a lot of offers, got outbid time and time again. And then this house came our way and we just we hopped on it and it's been great and we do have a pool. So I awesome. spent my weekends poolside and yeah, really, 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 really thankful. Feeling very lucky. Very cool. That must be a great feeling. And also, uh, you also added to your family recently. Can you tell us a bit about Spike? Yes, Spike. We had talked about getting a dog for a long time. I had talked about it. I was trying to pitch it for years. My husband loves dogs, but was he kept giving me the we travel too much card. And so when COVID happened, no one was traveling. It was my perfect chance to 
bring that argument back up. Um, anyway, at the end of the year, last year, 2020, we shopped around. Um, we knew we wanted to rescue, and we found the most amazing dog in the world. His name is Spike. He's about four years old, a straight pit bull, sweet as can be. Uh, we really love him, and he just adds a ton of joy to our family and a lot of laughs. I love that. We were joking that we should probably have have Spike actually on the show. We should just have yeah, Spike come onto the podcast. That. Yeah, loves the uh, camera. <laughs> so part part two of this today, we're talking about content creation. Next time, we're gonna just have Spike on the mic on camera. He'd be great. He'll show talking you about life pool side. Yeah, there you go. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, all right. Um, I wonder. Let's just let's just get into it. Um, let's talk about the pros and cons, the merits and shortcomings of encouraging or maybe forcing specialists to create content and share their knowledge with the world. Uh, but first of all, before we get into that, I wondered if maybe you could just tell us a bit about the professional version of you and how you've arrived where you are today. Yeah, I would love to. So, I like many others fell into project management. I had uh, babysat for a family back in college who the husband ran an advertising agency. And uh, back then I had just decided not to go to law school, uh, kind of lost in tr- figuring out my, my way around the world. I was working at an animal shelter and he reached out asking if I wanted to join his company doing mm-hmm. account management and project management for um, his advertising company. So I said yes. I thought it'd be a lot like Mad Men. Turned out it wasn't like that at all. (laughs) I learned a lot through that process, you know, all about client management and process change and how to read legal disclaimers for print ads. Like, not the best way to spend my days, but I I learned a lot. I had a lot of exposure and a lot of opportunity. Um, Around that time, I met my now husband, and he had an opportunity to do a pharmacy rotation in Maui. Hawaii. So I quit my job and um, I posted about it. And someone I went to college with reached out and said, Hey, I just started at this company. We build custom software. We need a project manager. Would you be willing to interview? Like what, what's next basically? What's next for you? Hmm. And I said, honestly, don't bother me. Kidding. I was like, that's a future (laughs) me problem. (laughs) I said, I'm going to go to Hawaii. I'm going to do some yoga on the beach, try to figure it out. And he's like, okay, awesome. Love that for you. Um, But you should meet my boss before you head out. Hmm. So we set up a coffee date back in 2015 and had an awesome conversation. They, at the time, were um, a much smaller company, um, about 12, 13 people. And Coming, along, coming alongside their clients, um, primarily startups and small businesses, to build out MVPs and mostly web and mobile apps. And keep in mind, I had no background in software development. I had a couple web projects um, that I was trying to use as you know examples of my experience. But um, needless to say, they took a chance on me, and I got hired on at Crema as their second project manager. And that was just like a turning point in my life, to be honest. They um, gave me a ton of support, even as a small company, and just helping me grow in that in that realm, in that domain of project management for digital, for app development, for software development. Um, it was a crash course, and I learned a lot throughout, especially those first couple years. You know, kind of trial by fire. Um, over the course of that time, I had started to get really into account management and account growth. And there was an opportunity for me to move more into like a business development and sales position. 
So I transitioned onto that um, side of the business in about 2018. Around that same time, I moved to Phoenix um, and was able to stay on board for um, in a distributive fashion. And we were also at that point in time, around 2018, starting to invest more and more in content. And a little bit of backstory, my co-founders um, received advice from an advisor back in the day saying, as your company grows, take pictures, like document hmm. the company's evolution and the people that are there and what it was like, because you're going to forget it. And uh, my co-founder, George, did did one better and was like, I'm going to vlog it. I'm going to start vlogging and putting it on YouTube. Nice. Um, and he's, he's always recognized the value of content and has always been very interested in content creation. So again, around this 2018 um, timeframe, we, we had finally started to invest in um, building out a marketing team. So we brought on a marketing specialist, a multimedia specialist, and we had started to like actually stake claim in this idea that a small company can have, you know, an overhead department of marketing to help drive new leads and grow our business. Cause up until that point, it had been primarily referrals and word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Like it helped us grow, but it's not really a complete strategy. And so, um, again, at this time I was working on business development and sales and they asked if I would tap back into my project management <laughs> toolkit and run the, the marketing team as a growth team lead. And that has led me over the last, you know, two and a half years, um, to where I'm now the director of growth, which has been very exciting and very humbled by that experience. Um, in fact, it's taken me now to a new role. I've actually recently accepted a position at a new company where I'll be, um, running with a team down in Phoenix. Um, you know, having a local presence, a local team for me to collaborate closely with, it's very important to me. So I'm beyond grateful for my last six years of, you know, a lot of opportunities and challenges being thrown my way. Um, it's really paved the way for me to, to accept this new role. And one of the things I'm most proud of is an initiative we'll talk about today called the craft content system. Um, which we'll get into soon. I'm going to cue you up, Galen. Um, that's, awesome. that's, that's been something that I'm really, really proud of and have, we've seen, um, some success. We've seen some challenges with that. And so we'll dig into the details today, but that's one of the things that was a big initiative for us in 2021. Awesome. Well, first of all, congratulations on the new role. That's super Thank exciting. You. It's going to be you. great to have that in-person team. I know that, uh, where you are at, like people are going back into the office being safe about it, but it's like back right, to that yeah. co-located feel. So I think that's super cool. And then also, I just love that trajectory. I love that, like, contemplating law school, maybe go do yoga in, in, in Maui, get pulled, slurped back into the digital world. That's what digital is good at, just slurping people back in from the beach. Uh, and then just this arc of, you know, not just project management, but like you said, leveraging your project management skills into account management, into marketing, um, and sort of following that trajectory of how this organization was growing with you, how Crema was growing with you, and creating these teams to help grow. And you you were able to leverage that skill set and then propel yourself into into new opportunities. So I think that's that's really exciting. Yeah, thank you. And last thing I'll say on that front is it's truly because of that foundational project management skill set that I think I've been able to grow and adapt, right? Because whether you have the title of a PM or not, everything you're doing has to deal with like managing different details of the project and stakeholders and expectations. And so I'm I'm not just blowing smoke when I say it's because of that initial like agency um, experience that I had where I was able to really get, you know, cut my teeth on what it means Mm -hmm. to manage projects and has given me a really strong base to build off of um, over the course of my career. 
And even just that digital immersion, right? Like you said, when you got into digital, you were like, I know what a website is. Uh, you figured it out. Yeah. Uh, like everything Instagram. you do now is digital. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and it worked out. <laughs> very cool, right. very cool. Uh, let's, let's talk about this craft content system. System. All right. Yeah. So just to level set for our listeners, Alexa rolled out a first of its kind program at Crema that makes content creation an organization wide mandate. So in other words, she went and told an organization of 49 specialists that writing blog posts, creating YouTube videos, recording podcasts, and speaking at conference is now a mandatory part of their job. Uh, so I imagine that this was a huge undertaking, and it's definitely something that a lot of teams and organizations have been just toying with or fantasizing about for some time now. This notion of like recognized thought leadership, this like authentic marketing and demonstrative expertise. Um, usually, it's to expand the business, right? Like business development. But maybe is it is it more than that? I, I mean, when you were rolling this out, like how are you framing it? Why why should specialists bother creating content? Shouldn't they just kind of focus on what they do best? Great question. Yes and yes. Um, <laughs> and to give you a little bit of background and the listeners, um, I've been lucky. I will say Crema is always invested in content. I, you might've heard earlier, I talked about our co-founder taking that advice from his advisor and kind of running with it. So we already had this sort of culture of content being important to the business, but there was no expectation set. And we really saw a shift in 2020, as we all did, uh, with our strategy, because when we were doing our planning in 2019, we had set out um, the next year to be really focused on in-person events. We uh. had just <laughs> expanded. We had this beautiful space. We were thinking about all the different ways we can bring people in and really drive those organic connections. Mm -hmm. And that was taken away from us. And so we looked around and we were like, okay, we actually have quite a bit of participation voluntarily from folks in our in our team who were like, yeah, I'll write a blog post or yeah, I'll be hmm. in this video. Um, again, we had a pretty healthy YouTube uh, channel that we were trying to feed um, like development related videos to design related videos. And so people were just raising their hand, but we felt like there needed to be a better way to sort of spread the load across the organization mm -hmm. and give people a chance to contribute who might otherwise not feel comfortable. Right. Um, we actually had heard about this other agency, uh, Atomic Object. They're up in mm -hmm. Michigan. They, we got connected. I can't recall how, but we just hit it off with their marketing team and had these maybe quarterly check-ins and where we would, we would kind of throw over the fence, like, Hey, we're thinking about this tactic. Like, have you, have you tried this out? And vice versa to us. And they had told us they had a, a company wide blogging program where everyone mm -hmm. had to blog as a requirement to their job. And that got us thinking because we had a health, we had a blog, you know, on our website, but it wasn't really running on any sort of regularity. And we also had in, emphasized video content and some other channels as well. So that sort of inspired us. And over the next six months, this is again, like mid 20, mid 2020, we had, we had asked ourselves, how could this work for Crema and how could we operationalize this and empower people to contribute while they're doing client work. Hmm. Um, and that's something we'll get into <laughs> later because that, that's been the tension, right? Is like, if we're doing our jobs well, people are busy on client work. So mm -hmm. how can we make sure that they can stay focused on that and also contribute content? So we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but we spent a good chunk, again, probably six months of 2020 sort of shaping this whole program. 
we branded it uh, as the craft content system, trying to emphasize, you know, define what it is and systematize it. We didn't want people mm-hmm. to feel like it's um, in a way adding more to their plates, even though it might be like we tried to bring it into the whole system of marketing. And what does that mean from a thought leadership perspective and how can we grow our footprint to attract new opportunities? And we had a lot of case studies from previously published content that have drawn in leads. So that was really key for us, right? Mm. Uh, we also had a couple case studies of community building and, and forging connections with people that were now on staff. So how does that mm-hmm. content map back to recruitment efforts and bringing in the right talent and retaining that talent? Um, so we put a lot of effort into that. And in November, we rolled out a um, lunch and learn where we were introducing the system. And that went really well. We um, tried to make it as interactive as possible. So we actually we used a Miro board and we had a couple elements of the presentation where people were um, collaborating with us and like dropping in sticky notes and kind of moving things around on the board with us. Um, Cause again, we were all distributed and right. uh, I felt like that. Yeah. I felt like that helped to just integrate in this, in their minds, like this is a marketing initiative, but it's, it's a team sport. And so we wanted them mm-hmm. to feel like they had expectations set for what that would look like. Um, so I'm sure you'll have more specific questions, but that's kind of like the history of it um, is us just trying to create a repository of proof. It's really what we're trying to do. So once leads are in our funnel or even before then, maybe when they're researching, we want our content to build trust and sort of bolster our expertise. We want yeah. the content to talk the talk for us um, and then continue to help build that relationship as people are going through our sales system. Hundred percent. I love that. I love that you've done such a good job of branding it. Like, what is it? It's a craft content system. It's about their craft. It's content right. about their craft, and we've systematized it so it's not super intimidating. It's not loosey goosey. Um, and you already were building on this foundation where like content was part of the culture, um, and it was accessible in a way, right? Because Kremis founder was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna vlog, and it's pretty casual. It's not this like upper echelon thing that we're doing where it has to go through, you know, many, many layers of, you know, through the legal team and through like all the editors and the leadership team is going to be like, no, we can't say this. And like all this red tape, but actually it's, it seems quite free and structured at the same time to kind of like enable um, folks to create content. But I, right. I, I wanted to swing back on something because I guess in my head, I'm like, okay, well, what motivates people to create content? Because it's a lift and it does take them away from, you know, like their other work, their project work. Did you find that a lot of folks were like motivated and felt passionately about growing the business? Did you find that some folks just wanted to kind of have their name out there? Or did you find that like a lot of folks just kind of like the idea of sharing their craft because they don't really get a chance to do that other than in their work products. They don't get to sort of maybe interact with their peers and share their knowledge with peers outside of their agency. Like what are some of the motivations that you, you found really helps people, you know, want to get involved with this? Yeah, great question. I think you hit on three big ones. And we recognize people are motivated by different things. Um, we wanted to create a, a process so people could feel empowered to share their expertise. And we named two, as we call ourselves the growth team, we named two, we aren't the experts in development or design or, de- or product management or testing. And we really wanted to call on those experts to share their learnings with the world and do it in a way where, yeah, some people did want, you know, they're trying to create a personal brand. Okay, let's help you do that. Let's build up, you know, sort of a content library with you on the byline to help do that. 
Some people have a little bit more fun with it. Not that that part isn't fun, but some people, you know, maybe are less serious about having a personal brand Mm -hmm. and just want to talk about a library that they're really passionate about that helped them on a, on a project. And so we did a little bit of retrospection and looked at the content we had created in the last 12 to 18 months. And we put those numbers out there. We said, okay, in this time frame, we had X amount of blog posts written by Y amount of people. Mm-hmm. And we had A amount of videos published with B amount of people participating in those videos. And the idea with that was we're trying to just remind folks that it is a team sport and that we want to make it, like you said, more democratized. And so mm-hmm. people can understand like what's expected of them versus, you know, if there's no clear guidelines, the same people might keep raising their hand. Mm-hmm. We're hearing from the same folks. And we really wanted a chance for the people in these roles doing great work for our clients to, to have their, their expertise out there. Um, another thing I'll call out cause people might be curious. Uh, and again, there's a lot of good things at Crema that help, like that created the ecosystem for this to work. We operate on a 42 hour work week. And yeah. the idea is for client projects. If you're like a billable, um, craftsperson, you would bill 35 hours a week on client work, which leaves seven hours per week for overhead tasks. So mm. that could mean like all company meetings. Um, we have a whole sort of internal innovation program called Venture Lab that they can contribute cool. to. Um, and so we, I recognize that we, we have that luxury of time theoretically built into their week for them to contribute content. So we really had that going in our favor. And when we rolled out the system to the team last November, we called on and we had prepped them beforehand, but we called on a couple people that had contributed or had participated with us before, collaborated with us mm-hmm. and asked them to share their experience on, well, this is what it felt like to work with the growth team. And let me cool. give you an overview of that process. Um, and we try to do a good job of creating this big resource library where people could explore like, okay, if I want to create a blog post, this is generally the process that I have to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I can expect. If I'm going to do a live stream on LinkedIn, this is what that process looks like. So we try to give them as much context as possible so they can mm-hmm. opt in in a way that made sense for their schedule um, and leaving room for their authenticity and their personalities. We didn't, we don't want to like edit anyone out. We want people's true authentic voices to come through. So that's been also a really fun challenge to be honest like how do you match <clears throat> excuse me how do you match someone's like personal writing style with a brand's writing style so we've had good right. conversations on that and, and collaborated closely with people to make sure that we don't edit anyone out but it still fits in line with our brand and our voice and our tone 100 percent. there's two really rich veins there that i just want to swing back on one yeah i think that's a huge uh, a, a huge point that you have to build in the time for it. It has to be deliberate as an organization. You need to give people, it's going to take time. You need to give people that time, which also means you need buy-in from leadership to not be like, oh, why is this person not fully utilized? And you're like, well, right. they're creating a YouTube video, you know, and not have them scoff at that. So it has to start kind of at that uh, at that top layer as well, or at least have buy-in at that top layer. Uh, and then the second thing uh, that I really want to swing back on is just 
the internal marketing, right? Like, and I say that I use the word internal marketing, but what I mean is your team took the time to make everyone feel comfortable and informed with the process. Talked about how it was going to roll, roll out, like being very transparent about what it is and what it's for. Um, talking about how it's going to work and really establishing that comfort, not just like plunking it down on somebody's desk and being like, okay, now you have to use a couple hours a week and you've got to write this blog post and it better be as good as James is over here. Uh, because otherwise you're fired. You know, it's not like, it's 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 very much you 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 brought them along, um, you know you 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 really motivated them, you kept them informed, and yeah, it wasn't something that was it didn't it doesn't sound like it was um you know something that was so forced, uh, it was something that was kind of you know um, it came through the culture, came from you know the 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 sort of expertise and 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 the desire to have an authentic voice, um, both from the top and from the specialists, and really just kind of creating this program around them, not necessarily just like solely for growing the business, which I really like. Right. And we, we felt like we, we had some equity to spend, if you will. Like we had built up a really good working relationship with our craft teams. We have just a very collaborative culture. And so we, we wanted people to feel like they understood we were still going to be very hands-on. So I'll add a couple tactical things we did too um, for folks listening in that same Miro board. I mentioned that's how we like delivered the lunch and learn. We, we have this whole resource library at the bottom I kind of mentioned where you can see, our team can see like every different type of content because this isn't just blogs or videos. We, were also, we also accept things like an Instagram takeover or an ebook or, you know, again, a live stream. So we try to detail all the different options and left the door open to say, hey, this hasn't happened yet. But if you're really interested in like TikTok and you want to go down that route, like let's let's talk about that. You know what I mean? And there, there is some challenges there. We don't want to get too like shiny object syndrome. Mm-hmm. We want to, we want to talk to our prospects and our audiences where they are. But uh, I, I mentioned that because this isn't, we didn't want this to be too prescriptive. Um, but we wanted people to know what, what the process will look and feel like. So there is a little bit of a balance there. Um, we also have a whole section on FAQs. We've got like a copywriting guideline doc that's in there. Um, we manage everything internally inside of Asana for the growth team. So that's where we're tracking the work that gets done and we're kind mm-hmm. of managing due dates and things like that. That's another thing. We didn't require anything to be due by a certain point. It's kind of self-serve. Huh. So the idea is as long as you've been at Crema for more than six months, you're doing two pieces of content per year. And whenever you want to get those done is when you want to get those done. We didn't want to be too you know, hard-nosed about it and saying you need to get it done, you know, in January and November, we talked a lot about due dates and how we wanted to manage those. But ultimately we landed on the idea that people can self-select based on their capacity. And when they've got the time and bandwidth to do that, we can work with them. Um, So we are managing all the nitty gritty details in Asana for the team. All they have to do is go into a little form. If they want to pitch an idea, they type it in. Um, give a little bit of a detail on it, including, you know, who they're trying to reach, what, like, what's the elevator pitch, basically. And then that gets funneled into our system where we're reviewing and we go directly to that content creator and start to ideate with them. Um, we really want to make sure people felt like we weren't, we are adding more to their plates, but the growth team is still adding the value of like SEO relevancy and mm-hmm. keyword research and editing and, you know, all the things that go into creating good content. So they might have the original idea, but we're coming alongside them to, to help execute on that in general. Um, and then we have a dedicated Slack 
channel where people are added, everyone in the company is in there. And we had started out the year with these biweekly updates where we were giving sort of wins and general housekeeping notes on the craft content system, and then also pitching some content clusters. So for example, in um, February, we wanted to create content around product teams, just generally capturing, you know, that, that keyword and kind of creating things around that. Um, and so we were, we used that Slack channel to help deliver that message and answer questions and kind of get the ball rolling. We found that participation's higher when we're not adding a lot of red tape. <laughs> like people tend to want to participate when they're writing or creating content on something that they're passionate about, not um, sort of an assignment. And so there, that has been a kind of an interesting balance over the last six months of like, how much do we suggest versus how much do people just want to like create content on what they're passionate about? So we're still trying mm-hmm. to find that rhythm. Um, and we, we do filter everything through our team and make sure like no one gets started on something before we've had a chance to review. Cause we want to make sure that we're right. protecting people's time as much as possible. For some reason, it jumped into my head like the metaphor of recycling, right? Like if it's too hard for people, they won't do it. But there's like this threshold. So you can like sort your organics and your recyclables and whatever. Every city's different. And then like for the rest of it, there's other facilities to do it. But if you make it too hard right at that baseline, no one's going to do it. So I I 100% agree with that. I I, I do want to get back into like the like nitty gritty of how it works. But before we do, I'm just wondering... I'm wondering what does success look like for you? Like, is it just like how many views it gets or is it just leads or how, how are you like measuring success and what, is, what does it look like when this is really having the effect that you want it to for, for the business and for the team? That's a great question. And I wish I had a, a more solid answer for you. Um, we have these general content marketing goals that we set out for the year. Like we want to educate and inform our audience. We want to illustrate the benefits of working with our team. Um, we want to drive leads. So a, a tactical win is someone um, did reach out this year based on our content and we signed an engagement with them. And it was very, very clearly tied to our efforts going into that, that piece of content. Um, we also know that community is really important too. And so we are tracking vanity metrics, but we do want to see some channel growth and like higher engagement on pieces. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to do a better job of measuring like, What's actually getting comments and, you know, likes and how can we maybe increase that and, and pull our audience about what they want to see. Again, it goes into like the recycling analogy, which I think is really solid. Like we don't want to make it too hard for people to participate, but we, we want to inspire and make sure that we're serving the audiences that have opted in to follow us. Mm -hmm. So there's a book that we're interested in reading as a team, um, I don't, I, I won't have the chance to, to do this before my tenure is over, but it's called They Ask, You Answer. Hmm. And it's the, the frameworks, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but as <laughs> prospects and your audience is asking for specific questions, you create content that answers that. So it's very elementary in theory, but we're trying to do a better job of that just to make sure that we're, again, like investing into the people that have committed to Crema in some way. Mm-hmm. Um and so the success question is good. And I feel like I'm dancing around it because we don't, <laughs> we didn't really know what to expect. To be honest, this was kind of a great experiment and something that I'm really, I'm really excited to leave behind and watch grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that we want to make sure we're keeping a pulse on and 
celebrating those wins back to the team, even if they're, we've had some awesome like YouTube conversations with people that <laughs> are commenting on our things. And we actually ask the content creators to respond back. Nice. And so like, like making a more one-to-one personal connection um, is really important to us. And so I look forward to seeing where this goes and, and how it evolves. Cause I, I don't think we've like, we've nailed it in some ways, but I don't think we've fully like hit a bullseye on it. Mm-hmm. And so iterating this year has been really important to us in terms of figuring out like how to activate people and how to define what success looks like. Cause we don't just want to be creating content for content sake. Like it, mm-hmm. it needs to serve a purpose and help support the business's growth. I love what you said about like engagement from supporters, um, because I think a lot of organizations might think of supporters as being clients, people who pay us, people who give us money. Um, but that's just a small cluster of people. Um, and there may be uh, like champions out there, advocates for your organization that are following and supporting and want to be a part of the conversation. They might not be clients. Um, they might help you get clients. Um, they might just help spread awareness of, you know, the work that Crema does. And I think that's one of the things in our, in our, in our sort of prep conversations. That's one thing that resonated with me is that, you know, some of these agencies, we do so much good work. Um, and yes, some of the end products get to be seen and experienced and ingested by, you know, the general public, but not all of it. Some of it's going to be internet. Some of it's just like, you know, things that have a really sort of small audience. And the people who get to experience the actual creation of that work product is actually like this tiny minority. It's a tiny sliver of the people who should be aware or might be interested in sort of how the sausage is made and sharing that expertise in an authentic way, I think is such a, a good way to like just spread, I don't this is going to sound cheesy, but spread the love, right? It's like, yeah. listen, we're, we're going to share our knowledge. There's no secret sauce necessarily. Um, but even if you're not our client, we still want to immerse you in how it feels to, to work with us. And like you said, that might mean, you know, more talent coming your way. And from a recruiting standpoint, that mean might, might mean leads or it might just be people engaging in conversations. And I love that sort of notion of, you know, the good YouTube conversations with the actual creator and creating that sense of community. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And there's a, there's a balance there that we want to strike. Um, because as a marketer, I do want to generate new business, right? I want people to, I want to connect with our prospects, but I do see the value in cultivating that really strong community of advocates. We've had, we've had fans more or less for years who refer us work and who, you know, might not be in a decision making capacity now, mm-hmm. but as they evolve in their career, they could be. And we want them to think of Crema first. And so it's a okay. long play. If anyone knows content, they know it's a long play. It's not like you like put in a credit and you get a lead. It's not really how it works. But if you play your cards right and you continuously show up and offer value, then it can pay off, um, which is what we've seen slowly but surely. 100%. Um, all right, let's 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 dive into the juicy stuff. Um, so you talked at a high level about how it works, but we also talked about this sort of balance, right? We talked about things like keyword research. We talked about uh, you ask, they ask, you answer, um, right. but really like listening to like what the audience is saying and what they're asking for. Uh, and then you talked about uh, some of the specialists kind of like, you know, there's a forum, they pitch their own idea, but how do, how do you find that balance? How does it work to find that balance? Like, um, does someone just kind of submit an idea and you try and work with it? Or is it like, what does that editorial process look like to sort of balance it against what the audience needs as well? Yeah. Great question. Um, using that example, I will say we just had someone submit um, a new idea in our form 
And it was all about remote hackathons. So this was a developer um, who misses the days of like getting in a big room for 24 hours and eating a bunch of pizza, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and like hacking away at an issue and building a product. Well, those obviously looked a lot different for anyone in development um, mm-hmm. with COVID. And so mm-hmm. he submitted the idea and what my um, content specialist typically reaches out. She's more or less the main point of contact, the main project manager for all CCS submissions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she followed right up with him and set up a call and she was like, okay, tell me more about your idea. Like Mm -hmm. let's hash through that. And so they were looking at sort of what's the, and not that traffic and volume dictates everything, but we wanted to see like, maybe there's a way we could spin it that would capture a little bit more of an organic audience, like people Mm -hmm. looking for remote hackathons. Um, and things of that nature. And so they just spent about 15, 20 minutes kind of like working through that, finding some gems and sort of shaping that content itself. In this case, he chose to write a blog post on it. Um, And so at that point, they felt like they had a good thesis more or less, and then set up some milestones for check-in. So she said, all right, how about in in three weeks, I'll I'll touch base with you. We can look at the the rough draft. Um, They might have set up a time where they're going through that together. And she's kind of like editing live with him making sure that like his, his ideas are coming through and it's still providing like that concise value to the reader. Um, and then we connect them with our internal brand designer. So we're making sure that we're, we're branding everything in a way that even though the content creators are varied, it's still all coming through crema and that branding is consistent. So we have mm-hmm. some fun, like blog headers and thumbnails and things like that, but nice. we connect her to that process and make sure that if the creator has, strong opinions on how it looks that they can speak into that. So we just um, published that blog, I think yesterday, and there's like a little cool. pizza slice on it and a, <laughs> and a Mountain Dew can, because that's, he really wanted that to be featured. Nice. And so we're like, yeah, let's make sure that that's, that's a part of this design. Um, and hopefully that it answers some questions and kind of captures people who are looking for that type of content. Right. Um, so that was a very specific use case, I understand, but it just goes to show like once someone does pitch an idea, there's a very hands-on process where we're mm-hmm. like shaping that together and kind of like sharpening it and then ultimately delivering that and finding ways to share that out on different channels. So we push it out through our network and then mm-hmm. we also have a lot of connections in different like Slack channels and LinkedIn groups where we're trying to like seed that content as well cool. um, and asking people to share it out. I love that. I love how collaborative it is because you were talking earlier about, oh yeah, we need to make it kind of sound like crema, but also have that like authentic voice of, of, of the actual creator. And in my head, I was like, okay, it kind of goes through this filter, like maybe a black box somewhere along the way, but it, it isn't. It's sort of this like collaborative, let's sit down with design, uh, and let's figure out how we can work in the sort of crema brand and a piece of pizza, you know, like, and, and let's find that balance and that marriage together. I really like that. That's super cool. Yeah. It's been great. And I will say the process looks different. Um, again, we, we love YouTube. We like video content. And so when someone pitches a, um, a YouTube video as an example, that looks a lot different. So we pull in mm-hmm. our multimedia specialist. She's doing a similar thing to our content specialist, but more from like a, you know, audio visual standpoint right. and making sure that we like have a vision for the, the shot list and where mm-hmm. we want to be. And again, lucky to be at Crema because this year as we've been anticipating like an emergence from COVID and being able to work, like work together in a safe way. Um, we spent a good part of the spring building out a studio in our office space. Ah. So 
it's going to look different moving forward. You know, we don't have assigned desks anymore and we have limited capacity, but we basically took a, a large section of our office and turned it into this studio space where we've got all of our, our stuff set up. We've got backdrops. We've got different yes. like backgrounds that we can leverage. And so that's been huge where we can say, okay, how do you want this to look like? What, what kind of style inspires this? And we kind of, again, filter that through other videos we've done and kind of marry that with what the creator has in mind. So it is, it's a case by case basis. I know that it's a lot of manual work, but I think the end result is something that like the person's proud of because mm-hmm. their name's attached to it or their face if they're, you know, doing something like this. Um, we want them to feel like they have an active role in it, but they aren't alone. And so really right. empowering them, like giving them the confidence that like, this is a great, this is going to be great content, but let's come alongside you and make sure that people can find it. And it's descriptive and valuable enough that it connects with people um, on the receiving end. I love that. And so like, it's not just about, you know, how much traffic it'll get, but you do want it to be seen and conceivably a creator wants it to be seen. And I think that's, that's the logical sort of reason to sort of do some keyword research to like, listen to the audience and like write a trend. If you, you know, if you think that's the right idea so that it gets some eyeballs on it. I really like that. You you touched on this, but I'm wondering you know, there's so many channels out there. How do you how do you choose? And is sometimes uh, something that somebody pitches, you know, like they might pitch a blog post and you're like, oh, actually, that would be a great YouTube video or that should go on TikTok. Like, how are you making those decisions as an organization on like what channel to, to use for what? Definitely. Um, we we haven't nailed this yet, I will say, but we have had scenarios where people do. I think blog posts is where a lot of people go. They're like, oh, I can just write a blog post. Mm-hmm. It's actually a lot of work to, yes. to get it, to get it right. You know, and I can attest to that. I've written for you all for a few years. Like That's right. it seems easy in theory. And then like two months later, like, wow, I really need to like make this better. Um, that's just me. But I think for us, we, we really have invested in video. And so mm-hmm. we, we try to go there first. And the idea is if we can create a video first and have it scripted or outlined, we can pretty easily turn that into a blog post or like nice. cut it up for social. And so repurposing mm-hmm. content is a much bigger discussion now um, that we want to continue to to build out as time goes on is how can we get an easy win and like put out something valuable and then chop it up and maybe spin it out in a new way. Or mm-hmm. um, like if we have people um, join our podcast, as an example, we have a weekly podcast as well called people of nice. product um, people on our team can be guest interviewed for that. And that would count towards the craft content system. And then we can take that again and kind of parcel it up and share it out on our Instagram stories as well. So it's almost like they're, they're checking multiple boxes at once. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, those are things that we're again on a case by case basis. And since our team is around 50 people, we, it's not, we haven't hit full capacity yet. Like it hasn't been a huge volume issue. We've definitely had seasons where a lot of people submit at the same time and we're trying to filter through it and like, you know, be effective and efficient. Um, I think if our team were larger, we would have to get that tighter. But for now, it's just when someone submits it or when we put out a call to action and someone responds, then we're just taking it one thing at a time and kind of evaluating our options and seeing, you know, is with TubeBuddy as an example, it's like a keyword researcher for YouTube. Is there like, can we capture some trends there and maybe create some, a piece of content related to what they pitched and, you know, negotiate with, with that person. I like that. Do you ever have content hackathons? Like everyone gets together and kind of, you know, teases out an idea based on a trend. No, that's a good idea though. I might, 
Might have to take you up on that, Galen. <laughs> you know, that's what we do here at the DPM. Free ideas. Nice. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I wonder if we can get into like the tougher stuff. The tougher stuff. The tougher yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so. I like that it's built into the culture, this sort of content creation. It sounds like you've made a, a system that's very accessible and easy to use. But I'm willing to bet that there's still some like naysayers and people who are pushing back, maybe quietly or maybe loudly, being like, no, this shouldn't be part of my job. I don't want to do this. Um, and meanwhile, it's mandatory. They do need to create two pieces of the content. You know, the, the people who are pushing back might even be managers. They might, you know, be leaders within the, orga- within the organization because whatever, they know that their team is at capacity most of the time. Uh, what kind of arguments have you had against this and how have you tackled them? Great question. It's mostly a time thing. I think mm-hmm. we're lucky in that people understand the value. Maybe that's because of our internal marketing efforts or not, but I, I think people know what content can do. The biggest pushback has, has been, when am I going to get that done? Even with the seven hours of week, seven mm-hmm. hours a week of overhead time, a lot of stuff can eat into that, right? Including mm-hmm. client work. And mm-hmm. our MO has always been like client work takes responsibility or takes priority. Like we mm-hmm. don't want to overstep that. So we've tried to sit down with people. And as I look at the calendar, we're a little less than halfway through and not everybody has submitted content yet. And that's fine. Again, this was like, this was an experiment and we didn't, mandate due dates but if you know if i could wave a wand i would like that everyone in the company has created one piece of the con one piece of content because mm-hmm. that would be halfway through nice. and yeah exactly uh we're not quite there yet and so what we've done is try to incorporate newer lower lift pieces of content for people to mm-hmm. contribute mm-hmm. so a couple weeks ago we um put our heads together and we're like oh what if we could have people just do a little loom recording of something they are doing throughout the day, like a, a challenge they're trying to solve or like a bug they're trying to fix or a book they're reading and they sit down for two to three minutes and just like talk about it. And then we can take that on the growth team mm-hmm. and again, package that up in a way that we can share it out or, or seed it somewhere in one of the communities that we're connected with. So that's one option of just like naming it and trying to find easier ways for people to contribute content. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest is yet to be seen, to be honest. Like, I, I don't know how we're going to, like, I don't know if we will meet the goal of two pieces of content per person this year. I don't know. We're, we're tracking towards like an 80% completion rate. I'd like to see it get to a hundred percent. Um, one thing I'll call out too is we don't require it from the start. So mm-hmm. our team is growing. And when new hires come on board, I sit down with them and I talk about the growth team and what we try to do. And a part of that's the craft content system. So we're socializing that idea from really early on when they start. And then we ask that they just sit and like lean into their role for the first six months. And after six months, then we adopt them into the program. And I think that helps ease some of the anxiety. We don't want people to be like, Mm -hmm. Ah, I'm learning all about this company and my job and my clients. And now I have to do content too. Like, no, right. just, just know that this is a thing that we do. It's, it's a part of the culture at Crema, um, but they have time to sort of get to know us and, and the culture before we ask them to do anything. So hopefully through that, like early on conversation and socializing the idea, they kind of get used to it. And then by the time that six month adoption time rolls around, they're like ready to go. Nice. I like, I like that sort of warm up period. And yeah, I do think a lot of it is sort of getting over like the intimidation of knowing that you're going to be sort yeah. of 
ironed into permanence on the internet, uh, I think is actually a thing. Like you actually have to like climb over that hill uh, to to actually you know be at peace with it. Um, but coming back to sort of like that two pieces of content a year and we're halfway through the year, uh, I was thinking of like vacation, right? You know, you have like, it's never, there's never a good time. It feels like there's never a good time to take a vacation at an agency because like client work is right. always coming in. There's always that new project. You're always wrapping something up. And then it's like November and you're like, oh, I guess I better take the whole month of December off because I have to use all my vacation. Do you think it, it, it could be something like that where there's a, a surge of content in like November? It's possible. That's why we're trying to encourage these, you know, biweekly updates, just like exposing people to the system in case they like, oh yeah, I actually, I have a little bit of time. I could like contribute that, but we're, we're kind of expecting a deluge of content towards the end of the year. Um, and that's okay. Again, if people, if we want folks to stay focused on the thing that matters most, and that's serving our clients and doing a great job there, this is secondary to that. And we've never made it, I hope we've never made it feel like it's, it takes precedence. Um, but we are trying to find ways like easy wins for people to check the box and can like, can move on from it. And so it's a moving target, something we're still considering. And I think as the team takes this and runs with it through the year, you know, as I transition off the team, I, I'm fully confident that they'll find new ways to just make this work for us. Nice. Nice. Um, I wanted to swing back on one other thing. So we talked about sort of naysayers and resistance. Um, but you touched on it. This whole like content creation process, writing a blog post is hard. Uh, sort of getting used to the fact that you're going to be like out there on the internet and people are going to be commenting on your stuff from anywhere is hard. Um, and just in terms of managing the content creation process, like if somebody's like really keen, but also really struggling with this notion of creating content, what do you, what can somebody do to sort of bring out that content creator spirit animal from like a specialist? So like, how are you empowering folks to create great content? I know you touched on a lot of different ways in terms of like the editorial support. Um, but when somebody's just really having a hard time spinning that, you know, great idea into something that's like a full fledged consumable idea, um, how do you sort of enable that, that sort of creative, creative process to happen? Yeah. Great question. One of the most effective ways we've found is sitting down with someone obviously over zoom or something similar now, but, um, back in the day, even before the craft content system, we would do this. Cause again, we had people writing blog posts long before it was a, re a requirement. Mm -hmm. I digress. The, one of the best ways we've seen this work is sitting down and just recording the conversation mm -hmm. and having, having people talk and process out loud oftentimes takes the pressure off. Um, and so we'll come up with some questions beforehand so they know what they're walking into. It's kind of like this, you know, like you and I shared a, a doc. Surprise. Mm -hmm. We shared a doc before this <laughs> podcast episode about, what, you know, what did we want to cover? What are some general questions we wanted to um, Q&A? Mm -hmm. And we found with that people tend to feel a little less um, like it's disarming. And they mm -hmm. can walk into it, they can do a little bit of prep, and then we just record the conversation, and then we go back and create the content. So that's also been really effective, especially for blog, for blog posts and a little bit for videos where we just it takes the pressure off um, someone feeling like they need to write, and it like free flows a little bit easier when someone's talking out concepts, and then we can go in as a, as a content team and help put that together, and they'll be on the byline, right? We we don't mm -hmm. want to take that credit. Um, it's their thoughts and their feelings and their expertise coming through but it does lighten the load on their end from that like 
I don't know, a blank, a blank word doc can be really intimidating. So how can we take that away from people? I like that. That's very cool. I'm like thinking of like film directors, you know, you hear these like really strange tactics of how a director has like pulled out this character from an actor by like, you know, taking them to some remote location or like, you know, having just like cheese fondue (laughs) with them. And like, it's not necessarily on set, like in front of the whole crew and like, just like, no, like do, do good acting now go. Uh, There's like this process of cultivating like those ideas in a space that's comfortable. I really like that. Um, I talked earlier about trade secrets. And then you gave away our trade secret about the doc that we use in the past. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, like when it comes to you know blogging or you know live streams or YouTube videos or TikTok, um, you know arguably some organizations are be like, oh, but you can't share you know how to make you know the the, the Thousand Island dressing sauce in a Big Mac, please. Uh, you, right. you can't you know like how how do they get the uh, how do they get the um, the caramel into in, into a um, into a caramel bar like. How, are there trade secrets and how are you approaching them in terms of like oversharing? Like, oh, you can't actually share that strategy that we haven't, you know, rolled out yet. Like, is that, a, is that an issue or do you feel like it's pretty open? Again, I feel very lucky to say this, but we have an <laughs> extremely generous culture. So from leadership all throughout the organization, we, in fact, generosity is one of our core values. We have always taken the stance of sharing to give and to educate our audience as much as possible. Like, I think it's a really good question, Galen, but I, I actually don't think we have trade secrets. Like we want we want the world to kind of opt into this way of working where it's truly collaborative and it's very um, transparent and results-based. And so the, the one exception to that would be, uh, especially for some of our clients, we don't publish who they are even Fair or enough. their work. And so we try to maintain a lot of discrepancy there. Um, and that's maybe the only exception to the rule. Other than that, I can't think of any scenario where we've been like, Oh, that's, that's a little bit of our secret sauce. Like we don't want to give that away mm-hmm. because while we do feel really confident in our process and how we work with our clients and there is a little bit of, you know, pizzazz to that. We truly feel like we want to give people a, a taste of what it's like to work with us mm-hmm. or inspire other teams to work in the same way. And so our approach and our sort of um, mentality has always always been give it away, um, share it out with the world, and that will hopefully spark whether they want to reach out to us to hire us or to work with us mm. or just kind of come alongside as an advocate. That's worked really well for us. So again, I recognize that might be a little bit unique. There might be some companies that are like, no, we're not, you know, we don't want to show you how the sausage gets made. Mm. But for us, we really feel like there's a lot of value in in sharing um, how we work and hopefully in encouraging other teams to do the same. I love that. I love that approach. And like, um, arguably like at a certain size in certain geographies, like in certain markets, like you were talking about earlier, you had like collabed with, uh, or at least, you know, shared information like quarterly with this agency in Michigan. Yeah. Um, and like that alone, I think is like, is really telling of, of what Crema's authentic self is and, and other agencies sort of of a similar nature or a similar philosophy where it's like, yeah, let's just share. Like we might 
we might compete for dollars, um, but not directly, maybe, uh, or, or not so much that we can't have a conversation and talk about what we're doing and what's working and what's not. Um, and I think that's huge. And, you know, knowledge is so widespread. I think it's, it's it, especially in digital, it's getting difficult to have secret sauce, even if you wanted it. Um, yeah. Just because there's so much knowledge out there, you're bringing in talent that has great ideas from elsewhere, and you're weaving that in. Um, and, and, you know, to think that, you have an original idea. Maybe you have a, you know, a, like a SaaS platform product or something that's, you know, quite proprietary. But in terms of methods, in terms of approaching like a craft, um, I, I, I think it's hard to have trade secrets. Um, and I think it, there's, it's hard to justify uh, having knowledge that you can't share. Um, I just think that generosity thing is is becoming more widespread. And I, I'm really happy to see, uh, especially like like agencies, which used to like fight yeah. tooth and nail, like, um, and, and some do still, don't get me wrong, but, uh, but it's good to see that generosity and that collaboration between, you know, potential competitors for the betterment of, you know, our entire industry so that people are doing better work so that there's better ways of doing things. Um, and, and really just sharing that knowledge. I think that's, I think that's huge. Uh, yeah. I would say too, again, if, if there were a scenario where we needed to hold back from something that would have been set from the very beginning, like setting those expectations for the team. So maybe, you know, if you're listening and you want to do something like this, but you know, you couldn't share X, Y, or Z, make that known and just set that out for the team. So they know kind of what, what to expect. But thankfully for us, we haven't come across that yet. We again, have a very like generous mindset and just uh, like, you know, you've described Galen really well. We, we want to, we want to lift ourselves up and hopefully lift up other teams and help clients do the same thing. We think, a rising tide lifts all boats. So let's just put it out there and, and see what kind of response we get. I really love that sort of elevating the conversation. Uh, I thought I'd sort of cap off with, you know, like the future horizon. I mean, it sounds like things have been rolled out very successfully. I love the sort of internal marketing, internal sort of communication, getting people uh, on board with the idea, supporting them all along the way. Um, but, you know, no system is perfect, especially right out the get-go. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, what what are some of the challenges that you're facing today and and, and what are the next steps for, for Crema to work through them? Yeah, great question. We needed to find success a little bit better. You asked a great question earlier and I felt you know, a little ill-equipped. And that, that's something we knew going into this when we, when we rolled it out to the whole company, we tried to just talk about success in a really broad brushstroke. Like, oh, well, you heard me say, like, we'll educate our audience and we'll illustrate the benefits of working with our team and we'll grow our engagement. But we need to get more tactical with that and really define what we mean when we say that this is going to be a successful program. So one of the things we're trying to do is just be better at reporting back to the team um, and get tighter with our metrics and what we're, what matters to us. Again, we're not too, too worried about the impressions or just, you know, the, the click throughs, even though those things matter. Um, or maybe perhaps like, you know, audience size. Mm-hmm. Um, really it's like, how are we engaging with our audience? And, uh, that leads me to my second thing we need to work on is, is responding to those those audience requests and our prospects mm. questions and just making a little bit tighter of a loop because there's no shortage of ideas and there's no shortage of topics to discuss when you're building product and you have these like really amazing craft teams. But we want to make sure that we are creating content that truly does matter and connect with people and offer mm. value. Um, and so I think there's some discussions to be had about how we scope things down and how we report back on those successes um, and then the biggest one is how can we 
how can we unlock people or maybe unblock them for those of them that are fully utilized on client work? Like how can we make this an, an easy win for them? Something they can, they can feel proud of and confident in putting out to the world and not like it's just too much on top of what they're already doing. So there's, right. there's some format, some formats or some, um, maybe types of content that we have yet to discover that I think will be really good for the business. I love that optimization and like just kind of creating that handshake or closing that loop between, uh, I guess, finding that, that, that marriage of, you know, what audiences are wanting to know and what expertise uh, and ideas are coming from the internal team and sort of, you know, making that pairing happen. But I really yeah. like that. And then continuing that engagement. I think that's really cool. Listen, Alexa, these insights are all super valuable. I think the one thing that really resonated with me was just this notion of the internal marketing campaign. And I keep calling it that. But really, what I what I mean is it's a new process and change is intimidating. And you really need, in order to bolster the success of a program like this, you actually need to really bring people along for it, make them feel comfortable, especially if it's going to be mandatory, especially if it's going to go out like into the public. Um, it can be really intimidating. So treating it like something, treating it like like uh, a new organizational process, would it, which it is, uh, and treating it with the gravity of something that is quite intimidating for some people, I think is really important for making these kinds of things successful. Because if you were to just flip the switch and say, you know, oh, you know, quarterly quarterly news update. Uh, by the way, starting on on the first of the month, next month, right. you are all responsible for creating content. Good luck. Bye. I think it would just, <laughs> it would have fallen flat. So I think that's a really important takeaway for me. I, I hope that's a really insightful thing for folks uh, listening who are planning on, on, on rolling out a program like this. Um, and, and speaking of, I, I thought maybe I just close with just one last quick question. So if there are organizations who are contemplating ways to get their people to share their knowledge in this way, uh, what advice would you give to them in terms of getting started or things to consider? Yeah, be patient um, and give yourself time. That's one thing looking back, I'm really proud of us for doing, even though it felt a little painstaking at times is we took about six months of building this out, testing it with a couple people in the organization um, and finding those advocates to help um, pull that through once it was released to the company. And mm-hmm. so if if this is something you're interested in, I, and hopefully you've got some, some wins you can pull on and some people that you feel like could be kind of come alongside you as those those advocates, um, give yourself time to, to think through this and do it well and for what works for your business. Again, you've probably heard me say we had a lot of things going in our favor in terms of a content-oriented culture, one of a lot of generosity and collaboration. But I think it can be done um, regardless of what that looks like. It's just a matter of, of finding those people that can um, activate on this for you and, and help other people get excited about it or unblock them and um, empower them to, to do the same. So give yourself some time, give yourself some grace, and ultimately... Oh, participate yourself. That's another thing. Mm. Uh, as a growth team, we're also contributing content. So we want them to be seeing this as a full company initiative, not like we're exempt, even though we're touching all pieces of the process. We like this, this will count towards my um, contribution, which is great. Nice. This <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's just one example. But I think like making sure that you're fully bought in and you're also participating goes a long way um, and always being available for questions because they'll come up and you want to make sure people feel like they've got a door to knock on to mm-hmm. 
to bring you those those questions. 100%. Very cool. Alexa, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope our listeners did too. Um, we'll love to have you back. And again, congratulations on the new role. Very exciting. Thank you so much. This has been great, Galen. And yeah, I hope we can do this again soon. So what do you think? Do you create content for your company or for yourself? What tips, tactics, hacks, and strategies do you use to balance your content creation with your craft? Tell us a story. Have you ever had a competing deadline with your project and your content? Has your content ever led to new business or maybe a new role? Let us know in the comments. And if you want to learn more and get ahead in your work, come and join our tribe with DPM membership. Head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com slash membership to get access to our experts forum, mastermind groups, monthly workshops, live consulting sessions, Ask Me Anything sessions featuring a variety of experts, ebooks, templates, and more. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and stay in touch at thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 